Um, this morning, our scripture reading will be from Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 17 to 23. So if you could turn to Romans 14, 17, 23. And when you find that, if you could please um, stand, that would be great. Romans 14, 17 to 23. For the, Romans fourteen seventeen to 23. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he, that, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the word of God, All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatever is not of faith is sin." Let's pray. Lord, we just lift up this time together as we go through your word. Help us, Lord, to understand um, what is sin and what you define as sin so that we, Lord, can, can be better disciples of you and better followers of you so that we can deal with our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So the question I have today is, what is sin? And why is that important? Why is it important? Um, We're told that we should ask forgiveness for our sin. So if we don't know what our sin is, how do we ask forgiveness? Um, Let me give you an example. The Old Testament, in some ways, was easier um, because they defined sin in an easier way. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, it says, Thou shalt not kill. That's pretty straightforward, right? Now, you might have a little bit of a problem if you're a soldier in a war and you have to kill somebody. Well, that that would be a challenge to figure that out. And we we could talk about that. That's a whole other discussion. But it's pretty straightforward. But then in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 21, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said of them of all time, thou shalt not kill. Okay, that part, you know, we got down. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So now, all of a sudden, Jesus took this this thing, thou shalt not kill, and he said, thou shalt not be angry. Or That's not exactly what he said, but he said, don't be angry, right? So then, the question comes is, is and, and you've had this happen. Have you ever had this happen? You, you go to somebody and you say, you're angry at me, and they grit their teeth and they're like, oh, they're angry at you, <laughs> you know, right? So that some people don't even admit they're angry, right? And they may or may not be. And then it says, um, without a cause, Okay, well, what's the cause? Is, are there 
causes that you allow you to be angry and causes you don't allow you to be angry. So, and it's important because if I know what, 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 whether I'm sinning or not, I need to know whether I'm really angry or do I have a real good reason to be angry and it's okay for me to be angry. And so we can look at this and we can say, how do I know? How do I know when I'm angry and I'm sinning? Like, how do I know that I'm sinning? And so I think it's really important for us to examine and say, like, okay, what is sin? Okay, what, what, is, what is sin? And Jesus was so radical, he, he changed the definition of sin that thou shalt not kill to if you're angry without a cause, you're sinning. And so we need to understand that because we need to be able to examine ourselves because as believers in God and believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of Christ, we want to deal with our sin and we want to ask forgiveness for our sin. And so if we don't know what our sin is, how can we ask forgiveness for it? And, right, and so that's why this, this is so important. Um, so, can anybody really understand sin? That's the challenge. Okay. <clears throat> so, when you've witnessed to somebody, have you ever witnessed to somebody who doesn't believe they're a sinner? Mm-hmm. Right? So you say, you need to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because of your sin, and because of your sin, you've rejected God and you're going to go to hell. And they're like, well, I'm not a sinner. What do you do? Right? And so, sin is not only important to understand ourselves so that we can get right with God, but it's also important that we can talk to people. Today, many men and women live together in a marriage relationship and they're not married, and they don't consider that sin, right? And so, you confront them as, then you're sinning together, you're living together, and that's like, so what? It's not a sin. So... um, one of the things that the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. So what happens to somebody who's a Gentile and again, what's a Gentile? Somebody that's not a Jew, right? Which is, by, by the way, all of us. So, a person who's a Gentile who didn't have the Old Testament Jewish law, how did they know what was right and wrong? It says they show that they have the, the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts either accusing them or else excusing them. So what happens is they have a conscience And that conscience says, what you're doing is wrong. Accuses them. Or they say, you're conscious, what you're doing is right, and it excuses them. It's okay to do what I'm doing. And so, the example that I gave of a man and woman living together in marriage that are not married, their conscience is what? Excusing them and saying, this is okay to do. Okay? So their conscience is saying that. So, but it doesn't matter what my conscience says. It matters what the Word of God said. Okay, so look at this. Um, what is sin? Look at Romans chapter 14 where we just read. 
and look look at the very end in verse 23. The Bible defines sin. Whatever is not of faith is what? Sin. So anything that's not of faith is sin. So, So before we had the Ten Commandments, you know, and we had all the Old Testament laws, thou shalt not kill, the one we've been talking about. But the Bible says that's not the definition of sin. Murder's horrible. Anger's horrible. But the definition of sin is whatever is not of faith is sin. So how can we tell what is not of faith? Right? Because that's the de- definition. Um, so let's, let, let's examine this verse here. Let's start with Romans 4. Um, 17, where we started. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So again, he's talking about um, eating and drinking, right? And he's saying that I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean. So is there, today, do we have an unclean food today, an unclean drink? No, the Jews had, remember, they couldn't eat pork. There's a lot of unclean animals, and we think of pork as the greatest example. That was unclean. Is that unclean today? Are you allowed to go eat pork? Sure. Okay. So nothing is unclean in itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So if I felt that I came out of a Jewish tradition and I felt that pork was still unclean, is that unclean to me? The Bible says it is. So the whole idea is that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but he's still saying there's nothing unclean, but if it's unclean to me, it's un- unclean. And then look at verse 15. Um, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, actually, look at verse, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the whole thing we said, there's nothing unclean. Um, And the whole idea here is when we go down to verse 15, it says, but the kingdom of God is not meat, and that word meat means food, and drink, which is anything you drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we just said that if something's unclean, there's nothing unclean in verse 14. But if I think it's unclean, it's unclean to me. And then the kingdom of God has nothing to do with food. It's all about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit leads me. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And it's focused on righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay. In verse 18, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So, it doesn't matter what I eat. If I have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, then what? I'm accept- Christ is acceptable to God and I'm approved of men. Alright? Ver- so that says, I don't care what you eat. There's no sin in anything I eat. The Bible is very clear about that. Right? Verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify one another. For meat, and again, that word meat means food, destroy not the work of God. All things are pure, but it is evil for that man to eat it with offense. So here's what the Bible teaches. We don't have to worry about 
what we eat today. But here's what the Bible's teaching. The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, joy. Nothing to do with food. But, if I think it's wrong to eat a certain type of food, what does it say in verse 19? Um, in verse 20, For meat destroyeth not the work of God, nothing to do with God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. If I think it's wrong to eat pork, and I eat it, is there anything wrong with eating pork? No. If I think it's wrong and I eat it, guess what? I'm sinning. That's what sin is. That if I do anything to violate my conscience before God, even if it doesn't need to be violated because there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, it's sin. And this, this the patterns can... Look at this. For it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother... Okay, number verse 20. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. Has nothing to do with the work of God. All things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Wait a second. Are you telling me that I can sin because I'm offended by something that you're not offended by and we know the word of God says it's not wrong. The Bible says that's sin. And so, as I look at this, and it also says in verse 21, it is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. So if I think it's wrong to eat a certain type of meat, and and I go to your house and you serve that to me, guess what? You're sinning too. Because you're offering it to me. Do you see that? And so... All of a sudden, we now, you know, wasn't it easy in the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill. And now we have a situation where if you make my, give me a guilty, if I have a guilty conscience, I'm sinning. If you cause me to have a guilty conscience, guess what? You're sinning. And so what the Bible says is, if, if I have a guilty conscience because I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, or I, I, actually I'm allowed to do, then I'm, I, I'm sinning. And if you cause me to do it, you're sinning, okay? Um, verse 22, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. And talking about the person that's offending. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. So, if I condemn myself, I'm sinning. And he that doubteth is damned. That's pretty, that's pretty significant. Do you realize that? He that doubteth is damned. I, I, if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin. So, I go to your house and you offer me pork. And I don't want to eat pork because I, you know, I think it's wrong. You cause me to eat it with a guilty conscience. He that doubteth is damned. I've got God's judgment. And I can repent of that sin like any other sin, but I've got God's judgment. Because he eateth not of faith. I'm not eating it because of faith. I'm eating it because I'm trying not to be a a jerk at your house and say, I don't want to eat the food, right? For whatever is not of faith is sin. And so here what we have is this phenomena as New Testament believers that I can have a sin that has nothing to do with the Word of God because I believe it's wrong. And, and when I do it against my conscience and against what I believe God would want me to do, it's a sin. And so there's a principle here is that sin 
is not just the things that the Word of God tells me to do, but are things that cause me to have a guilty conscience before God. And that's something really radical, that's something really new in the Old New Testament, that I can sin, um, and you can look at me and say, that's not a sin, but you know what? To me it's a sin. And if you try to convince me it's not a sin, you could be sinning in the fact that you're causing me to have a guilty conscience. Um, and basically what he's saying here, um, it's almost like whoever sin is, it, it's not of faith is sin. Anything that's not sin. So anything you do outside of faith is sin. Now, here's some examples. A couple of weeks ago, Jim came to our Sunday school class and he said, you know, the Holy Spirit was leading me to stop at the hardware house and invite some people to come. What would happen if Jim said, you know what, I don't want to do that. He probably would have had a guilty conscience. And you know what? That would have been sin. Right? Um, how about um, when everybody is willing to compromise and you feel that that's really wrong. But you know what? The leaders of the church are doing it. Everybody's doing it. And you go in with them. Now, you know, you might find out years later that what they were doing was okay by the Word of God. But right now, where you're at with the Word of God, you think that's wrong. And you compromise. Are you sinning? Yes. Even if it's not wrong, you're sinning. Anything you do outside of faith is sin. Anytime you're being led or anything you're doing outside of faith is sin. Um, Anytime your conscience conviction, you don't have a pure conscience, is sin. Um, let's, turn to, let's turn to Romans, uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. I do this all the time. I, I was like, that's not the right verse because I was in 2 Timothy. So 1 Timothy 1, 4. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. So do. Now the end of the, the commandment is charity and out of pure heart and with a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So he's saying, don't worry about fables, genealogies, and all things. But the whole idea is that the, the commandment is charity, which is love, out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So the whole idea, he's saying the same thing, that it's not rules and regulations, it's not genealogies and fables and all that stuff. It's, 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 it's being led by the Holy Spirit. And the whole idea is, 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 is in love of a pure heart and a good conscience. And then um, drop down to verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwrecked. So, if your conscience is not um, pure, and, and you don't have a good conscience, and you have a guilty conscience, you're dealing with a sin. Anytime your conscience is guilty. Now, we're going to talk in a couple minutes. Our conscience, is our conscience always right? No, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Our conscience is, is affected by the fall, just like the rest of us are, the rest of our being is. And so our conscience is never correct. 
But the whole idea here is if you have a, a guilty conscience, you're sinning. Anything that makes you have a guilty conscience, you're sinning. Okay. So, um, even if your conscience convicts you that something that isn't really wrong, you think is wrong, it's a sin, like the food thing. So, what are some things that, that conscience convicts, that, 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 that convicts a sinner about? Um, we talked about a man and woman living together, right, that are married, that are living together. Um, their conscience may be affecting them, and if it is, there's guilt. But then we could say, okay, if my conscience isn't guilty, maybe that's not sin. So there's more to sin than just the conscience. Okay, that's one test. But what happens if I say, that's okay. Now, do you ever hear a white lie? Is a white lie okay? No. But, but are there many people that think a white lie is okay? Right? And a white lie might be something you're, you don't, you're saying not to offend somebody. Right? How about... Um, what I call institutional stealing. You steal from the IRS. Everybody does that, right? Is that stealing? Right Now, might you not even have a guilty conscience because you don't consider that stealing? Yeah. That, but, that, but how about um, stealing from the electric company? You bypass the meter on your house, right? right? Some people might not consider that stealing. So there's more to it than just our, our conscience. Um, so the whole idea is that our conscience, which does tell us about sin, can be seared. And you're in First Timothy. Turn now to First Timothy chapter four, verse one, and it tells us about our conscience. So it says, "Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in later times some." shall depart from the faith, given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And what does that mean, their conscience seared? What it means is their conscience is seared. It's no longer working as a conscience. And, and you know, we see that today. We see that today. There's many people that their conscience is seared. They, they, don't, they don't even see that. And so... What are we going to do here? I just said to you that what's sin? And I said, okay, sin is, 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 is having a, a conscience that's guilty. And even if it's not in God's word and it's guilty, it's sin. And the Bible clearly says that. And then I just said to you now that you can have a seared conscience so they don't even know what sin is. So, so that's really not a very good definition of sin, right? Because now I'm saying... Let your conscience to tell you whether you're sinning or not. And then I'm also saying, well, but your conscience is not going to tell you what's right. So what is sin? So what we need to do is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to align our conscience with God's Word. Right? That's the key. Because that way, I don't have to worry about the pork. Because you say, What's, who cares about pork? But if my conscience is aligned to God's word, then I'm not going to think eating pork is wrong. And if my conscience is aligned to God's word and I'm a believer and I'm living together with a woman and I'm not married, my conscience is going to convict me because of the word of God that that's sin. And I'm going to have to deal with, deal with that. And so 
what we can see here is that we need to align our conscience with the Word of God. And that's what um, the Holy Spirit does. We've been talking in Sunday school in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about uh, baby Christians. And when you get saved, you're a baby Christian. And you know what? When you're saved, your conscience is aligned to the world. And as you grow in Christ, your conscience aligns to the Word of God. And there's people that are Christians that may be in this room that have been Christians for you know 50 years who are still babes in Christ. And their conscience has not grown to be aligned with the Word of God. But that's what God's desire is. And you know what? God has given you something that can enable your conscience to grow into the word, by, with the Word of God. And you know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit. And you got that when you were saved. And you have the Holy Spirit. And your Holy Spirit will align your conscience to the Word of God. But what you have to do is you have to at least study the Word of God and seek God because He won't align it if you don't do it. It's something you have to, you have to help. You have to work on it. And He's the one that directs you. But you have to at least study the Word of God to teach you what, what it is. But your conscience aligns to the Word of God. So, so we can learn this truth of Scripture. And, and let me give you some examples where God, God aligns somebody's conscience with the Word of God. So turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, there's a story about Peter. And we know uh, Peter was one of the greatest apostles and Peter was being called to go witness to Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile, and Peter, Peter's conscience, because he was a Jew, felt it was wrong to do what? Associate with Gentiles. So here you have a man, Peter, who is a believer and has a conscience that says it's wrong to, by the way, he eat pork, the example we've been using, but it's also wrong to associate with Gentiles. And so Peter's there, and let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 9. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9, it says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up into the house to pray about the sixth hour. So Peter's going up to pray, and, and, and the first part of the story is God was working with Cornelius, and they were sending some people to go talk to Peter. And he became, in verse 10, and, and he became, uh, uh, first, yeah, Acts 10.10. 10. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descended upon him, unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein there were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So what happens here? Peter goes into a trance. There's a sheet comes down with all these unclean animals. Peter is a good Jew. He's a believer, but he's also a good Jew. And he never ate anything unclean. Because why wouldn't he do that? Because it would be a sin. 
It's wrong to eat something unclean. Do you see that? It's a sin. Right? And that, by the way, that was in the Old Testament. It wasn't like Peter was making this up. He had that in his, in his mind. And then look at verse 15. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, three times, and the vessel was received up again unto heaven. So what happens? What's the Holy Spirit doing to Peter? He's calibrating his conscience. He's saying, Peter, it's not wrong to eat unclean food. It's not wrong to associate with non-Jews. You see what he's doing? The Holy Spirit is aligning Peter's conscience with the Word of God. Right? Now, verse 17, Now while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, these three men seek thee. Right? So the Spirit's working with him, telling him that thing. Um, Arise therefore and, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause whereby ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God, by God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he then them in. Look at that. You see how his conscience changed so quick? Peter would never have allowed Gentiles in his house. Right? Boom, instantly, he aligned his conscience with the word of God and lodged them and on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And so what we see happening here is that in an instant, Peter did what? He changed his conscience from what was right and wrong and went with these guys. And then look at, drop down to verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Isn't this amazing how God, how Peter, and you know, we've got to admire Peter. He was willing to allow God to change his conscience. Because up until this point, guess what? Peter felt that God was a respecter of persons, right? But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And so we see an example here where Peter, his whole conscience was aligned to what? The word of God. And so, that's the challenge we have as believers. Our conscience, my conscience, is not aligned to the Word of God. And I'm going to continue, and hopefully for many more years, keep seeking God, and every time I do, I align my conscience with the Word of God. Because when I don't, I'm I'm, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Now, if Peter... Had not, had, didn't have this experience, and he went, and these Gentiles came, and he went to them with a guilty conscience. Guess what? He was would been sinning. Do you see how the Holy Spirit worked? 
until his conscience was right to go with these guys, if he had gone with a guilty conscience, he would have been sinning. And so the whole idea here is that, that even if our conscience isn't aligned with the Word of God, if we think it's wrong, we can't do it. And then when we study the Word of God, and like Peter did, and we are shown that what we thought was wrong is not really wrong, then we do it wholeheartedly. Right? Um, here's another example. Um, Paul was another example of this. Um, he gave up all his Jewish restrictions. What did Paul say? I can be all things to all men. Right? Consider how God changed that. Now, that's one situation. What's the other situation? Um, what my, I consider right, my conscience says is right. It's okay to live together as a man and woman without being married. Right? How do I get convicted that that's wrong? Right? Because the example I just gave you was Paul thought something that was wrong was really right. I mean, Peter thought something that was wrong was really right. What about the person who thinks something's right but is really wrong? Let's look at a couple of examples here from the book of James. So let's look at James chapter um, 1. And James is a, I mean, all, I always say that every book of the Bible is good. James is one. James has a lot of real practical stuff in it. It's really a good book to study. Um, in James chapter 1, verse um, 19, James 1, 19, it says, uh, Wherefore, my brethren, my, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay, so, um, what is it saying here? Um, I, I'm an angry person. And, and, you know, we all know some people that are angry persons, right? So, say I'm, say I'm an angry person. And I have a lot of wrath. And, you know what? Sometimes a believer will even say, you know, my, I have righteous indignation. Right? And most of the time that just means I'm an angry person. Right? Well, so I think my anger is acceptable because I have a right to be angry. Okay? What does it say? Therefore, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Okay, should I attack you without listening? No. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And and it tells us, you know, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so... If I think that my anger is acceptable, I study the Word of God and I realize, guess what? My anger is not acceptable. Is God angry at a non-believer? Well, not really. He's angry. He wants that person to be a believer and He's going to judge that person. But He's showing all this love to them today. Right? Look how much love God... Does God cause the rain to shine? on the unbelievers, the, you know, the, the, the rain to come for the unbelievers and the believers. God's Word, he's, he's a loving God. Now He's going to judge. So the whole idea here is God's wrath is coming, but right now He's showing His love. And so when we look at this, we're saying, if I'm angry and I'm justifying my anger, I've got to align my conscience to say that anger is not acceptable to God. It's a sin. Here's another example uh, look at James chapter 2, verse 1. Um, 
My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Is there any discrimination in the Bible? No. There's no discrimination. Does Jesus care what color our skin is, what nationality we are, where we're from? Does his love reach out to us? Absolutely. There's no discrimination in the Bible. When you look at Jesus, what did he do when he sent Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch? If he would send him to anybody, there's a man from Ethiopia, and he sends him to that man, and that man goes and spreads and gets gloriously saved and spreads the gospel in Ethiopia. Right? There's no discrimination in the Bible. So if I have a conscience that says it's okay to discriminate at people, right? and hopefully I don't have that in my conscience, but if I did have that in my conscience, I've got to get rid of that because I have to align my conscience to the Word of God. And the Word of God says there's no discrimination. And so that's another example where I'm going to justify my discrimination, you know, and there is no justification for that. But the Word of God says there's no discrimination, so I cannot discriminate against anybody. So that's another example where somebody says, well, that's okay to discriminate against people. No, it's not. The Word of God says it's not. Here's another example, uh, James 2.14. And again, I'm only picking a bunch of James. This is throughout the whole Bible. James 2.14. Um, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Okay, I'm, not, I'm saved through God's grace. Right? But I'm saved to do good works. If there's somebody in need, and I say, Mom, it's your problem. I'm not going to help you. I, I, before, maybe I would have a clear conscience doing that. But if I align my conscience to the Word of God, and somebody's in need, and I don't help them, I'm sinning. And so I want to have a guilty conscience now when I'm not helping somebody who has a real need. And so we look at this and we say, I've got to align my conscience to the Word of God. Um, one last example. Uh, Romans chapter, I mean, f- f- uh, James um, chapter 4, verse 11. Romans chapter 4, verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law but if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou then to judge judgest another? I'm a judgmental person. I think it's okay to judge people, right? I'm a, but I judge righteously, right? My conscience is not attacking me but it should be and so I need to align my conscience with the word of God and say you know what judgment is wrong judgmental being a judgmental person is sin it's wrong and so the challenge we have as believers is the word of God says what is sin sin is doing anything that violates my conscience even if it's not wrong 
And the challenge that you have as a believer is to align your conscience to the Word of God. So that your definition, that your conscience is guilty when you do sin, and your conscience is not guilty when you don't do sin. So going back to this example about a man and woman living together that are believers, what do you do? What I would do is point them to the Word of God. You don't go and say, attack the person. You point them to the Word of God and say, let's study the Word of God today where it talks about marriage between a man and a woman. And let the Holy Spirit convict them through the Word of God that what they're doing is wrong so that their conscience is aligned to the Word of God and they can look at the Word of God and say, you know what, if we're living together as a married couple and we're not married, we're sinning. Let the Holy Spirit work and let them align their conscience to the Word of God. So, let me just summarize a couple things. Everyone has a conscience that either accuses or excuses their actions. But the problem is, before you're saved, your conscience is is corrupted by sin, just like the world's is. The world. Um, And when you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit, which will enable your conscience to align to the Word of God. But it's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen automatically. It's going to happen as you study the Word of God and as the Holy Spirit works in you, it's going to align your conscience to the Word of God. And so the whole point here is that um, our conscience has to align to the Word of God. But while that's occurring, anything you do that violates your conscience, even if it's not wrong in the Word of God, is wrong. And why? Because God is your Abba Father. And if you're doing anything that's separating you from God and having a guilty conscience, even if it's not wrong, it's sin. And so the whole idea here is that I would challenge you as believers to study the Word of God and make sure you're conscious. And you know what? There's so many things in our world today where the conscience of our society if you want to call it that, is not aligned to the Word of God. And, and if you are saved, your conscience is probably aligned with what society's conscience is today. And you want to change that alignment to the Word of God. But even while you're doing that, anything you do, out, not in faith, is really draw, going away from what the Word of God says. So, what we need to do is, is anything not of faith is sin. Our conscience convicts us of sin. And then we need to allow the Holy Spirit to align our conscience with God's Word. Um, we need to be like Peter, who had been ingrained, I don't know how old Peter was, but for 30 years, maybe he's 40 years old, that, that it's wrong to do this thing. It's wrong to eat meat. That's pork. That's not clean. And in a moment of time, he changes that because of God's word. We need to look at ourselves and things that you may have been doing your entire life. And they're no longer wrong. You need to be willing to change. But on the other hand, there might be things that you've accepted for your whole life. That now you realize based on the word of God, they're wrong. 
And you've got to change your conscience to now say, what I thought was acceptable is wrong and I now want to have a guilty conscience. I don't want a seared conscience. I want to have a conscience that's, that, that's aware of that sin. So the whole challenge now is for us to say, what is sin? In the New Testament, it's anything that's not of faith. Anything that opposes God. And even if it's not really opposed to God, but I think it is, it's sin. I align my conscience to the, to the will of God. And then, as I do that, and again, I don't think we ever get perfect at that. We're not going to ever get there yet. But as we continue to align our conscience to God, then our conscience aligns with God's conscience and, our, and, and what God considers sin, we consider sin, and that's where we really want to be. And then we can deal with our sin. Uh, let's pray. Lord, it's easy to get hung up about sin and the Ten Commandments and justifying our sinful behavior um, by saying, I've never killed. But you want much more than that. You want our heart and our mind. And Lord, even if something that, that might not be wrong, but we consider it wrong, and we have a guilty conscience, which means that we're going to be separated from you, and we're not going to want to have a close relationship for you, and we're going to be like Adam and Eve who had guilt. The first thing from their sin was guilt. And even though it might not be sin, we have that guilt. And that guilt will separate us from you, Lord. We want to just treat that as sin and ask your forgiveness because you're a loving God and you're merciful. But even more important than that, Lord, we want to align our conscience to your, to your word. We want to allow your Holy Spirit. You've given me and you've given each believer here your Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will align our conscience to yours, Lord. But Lord, it doesn't happen automatically. It only happens as we seek you, as we follow you. As an example of Peter, Lord, he was willing to meditate. And when he was meditating, you gave him this vision or dream or whatever. And he realized, Lord, that, that you wanted him to change. Lord, we need to study your word. We need to seek you. We need to come to church. We need to do the things that would enable us to learn about you, to realize that when we have an issue where we are, our conscience is not aligned to your word, that it will become aligned. And then we need the courage, Lord, to be willing to change that man or woman that might be living together. They need to be either separate or get married or whatever, Lord, that you would lead them to do. Um, They need to repent of that sin, Lord. And Lord, we know that you are such a merciful and loving God and that you desire our best, but we also know that you're our Abba Father and we want to really just be in a perfect relationship with you. And we know we will be in the future in eternity, and we know now we want to strive to do that, and we want to align ourselves to you, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would enable each person here to align themselves with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's take our hymnals. We'll turn to him 600.